Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this audio. I'm going to cover 1 John 4 verses 1 through 6, relatively short audio this time. I'm going to call it Test the Spirits. At the end of 1 John chapter 3, our last chapter, John instructed his readers to love one another. So we start now in verse 1, 1 John 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. First of all, notice how he calls them dear friends. Brothers and friends. I like that because we often talk about brothers, but friends is a... C.S. Lewis one time said a friend is someone that you can share your life with by not looking at each other, but looking out at a common interest. I like that because that's what friends do. They share a common interest and they enjoy it together. Well, the common interest here is Jesus Christ. Do not believe every spirit. Now, whenever I read this or have read this verse over the years, I keep thinking we're testing disembodied little beings that float around in the air. That's really not true. He's talking about spirits that are encapsulated into a human fleshly vehicle is what he's talking about. And he just uses spirit to stand for the whole person. He's talking about false prophets. He says right there in verse 1, because many false prophets have gone out in the world. That's who you're testing. You're testing these false prophets. You're testing these the spirits of these false prophets to see if they're speaking the truth. Now, John here is contrasting the Holy Spirit and the believer mentioned in the previous verse, 1 John 3:24. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in union with us is from the spirit he has given us. So the Holy Spirit in us is the true spirit, and we know that Holy Spirit. Now we need to test the demonic and false spirits that are in false human spirits as well as demonic spirits that are in the false teachers. John Gill says he's referring to all the antichrists that have beset his readers. 1 John 2.18, John has mentioned this. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, antichrist is coming. It's the last hour. That means, in my humble opinion, it means the last time period of the apostate Jewish religion, the rabbinic antichrist order that murdered Jesus and the prophets. It's about to go down. That would be in AD 70. And as you have heard, Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come. The Antichrist who is coming, I believe, to be Nero in the 60s. Even now many Antichrists have come. We know from this that it is the last hour. Because Jesus predicted that. He says in the last days, he's talking about in the last days of the Jewish nation, many false prophets will arise in the Olivet Discourse. So, because of that, because many false prophets have gone out into the world... The Christians have got to test to see whether these false prophets are true or not. Now, false prophets just don't go out and teach themselves or prophesy to themselves. They always aim for Christians. They go to the Christian organizations to try to break them up because the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. You ever dealt? I've dealt with a few of these heretic types, and they, they're like parasites. They don't live by themselves. They come after the orthodox. Now, I said spirit is used to describe a human being. Why Why that word spirit? Spirit doesn't sound like a human being. It sounds like a ghost. Well, here's what Adam Clark says. As in those early times, every teacher professed to be inspired by the spirit of God, because all the prophets had come thus accredited, the term spirit was used to express the man who pretended to be and teach under the spirit's influence. And I agree with that. The NIV study Bible backs Clark up and says spirit is a person moved by a spirit, whether the Holy Spirit or an evil spirit. All right, so the point of testing something is to determine something. For example, you test gold, you assay it. Is this really gold or what, or not? Or is this fool's gold or not? Or is this a less pure grade of gold than, a pure, than the grade ought to be? You test gold, well, likewise, you test spirits to see the outcome. Just like your algebra teacher tests you to see whether you know any algebra. 
Now, there have been many tests mentioned in the book of First John. We've mentioned the subjective test of the Spirit to see if the Spirit's in you. That would be in 1 John 3.24. The way we know that he remains in us is from the Spirit he has given us. That's a subjective test. And then, of course, the moral test. Do you keep Jesus' commandments or not? If not, you're a false prophet. The social test. Do you love your brother? If you hate your brother, you're a murderer and you're a false prophet. The doctrinal test. Do you believe that Jesus came in the flesh? Or is he rather just a ghost? Well, if you don't, if you believe he came as a ghost, you fail the doctrinal test, and you're a bad guy, you're a false prophet. And the obedience test, do you obey Jesus? You put all that together, and you've got an arsenal of weapons to test, to know whether somebody is from Jesus or is not from Jesus. You know, James said, what did he say? Be, be rooted and grounded in the faith so that you won't be tossed and turned by every wind of doctrine. If you know what the scripture is and what the truth is, is, and you go through all these type of tests here, you're not going to be fooled by anybody. By their fruits, you shall know them. Now, other people have predicted these false prophets that John has mentioned. Jesus, as I said in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, 11, said many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. That's in the time of birth pangs right before eighty seventy, before the Jerusalem was destroyed, before that generation passed away. Matthew 7:15. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Paul predicted false prophets to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, that's again the end of the Jewish age, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. Now you notice that's not just really talking about false prophets in the sense of people who are able to predict the future. It's talking about people who are who are speaking forth the truths of God in general, whether it refers to the future or not. John himself, in his second letter, 2 John 1, 7, said this, Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. You want an antichrist? Just find anybody that denies Jesus, that he came in the flesh. They're all over YouTube. You want an antichrist? You worry about who the antichrist is? Just get on YouTube. There's millions of them. Look up atheist. Antichrist everywhere. These people that are digging a grave for themselves in this life and reserving a room in the deepest parts of hell for eternity because of their blasphemy. Peter himself predicted, Peter also predicted false prophets, Second Peter 2.1. But there were also false, false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. I didn't mention Jude, but I could have. Let's go over a parallel book to Second Peter. So it, all everywhere in the New Testament, false teachers had to be looked out after. And church history, history will, in every church history textbook, they always tell you the early church was beset by heresy, and that's why they developed all that hierarchy. The elders, and then the bishops, and then the archbishops, and then the cardinal, and then the pope trying to stop the heresy. Look what they got. Well, no. The way you stop heresy is not by ecclesiastical organization. The way you stop heresy is by recognizing the Holy Spirit in you. The subjective test of the Spirit. And the moral test, the social test, the doctrinal test, and the obedience test. That's how you stop false prophets, not by organization. But the early church did that, and there you have it. 1 John 4, verses 2 through 3. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming, and he is already in the world now. And I assume that Antichrist in the world now, because it's he, you have heard that he is coming. I assume that's referring to Nero, predicted by John himself, 
and the book of Revelation. But that's just the the Antichrist. There is no such thing as a future Antichrist, as I've said in the previous audio. This is the Antichrist back then. He is coming. He's already in the world now. Does that sound like the future? Of course not. This is something that's happened in the past, so I assume this is talking about Nero, who, of course, was an Antichrist who tried to blame the Christians for the great fire in Rome and who spent a lot of his time and a lot of his energy trying to persecute Christians and kill Christians. Verse 2, John says, this is how you know the Spirit of God. There's that knowledge again, because John is reacting against the false, false knowledge of the Gnostics. Gnosis means knowledge in Greek, and the Gnostics claim to have that knowledge, knowing secret passwords and esoteric knowledge and folklore and abracadabra sayings and formulae, all so you can escape the evils of this flesh and ascend through the angelic hierarchies to a world of pure spiritual being. Of course, the only way to get that knowledge is through the Gnostic teachers themselves, at a cost, I'm sure, a pecuniary cost. But anyway, they're talking about knowledge, and John's saying, no, no, this is how you know. You, you, don't, you don't need that kind of knowledge. You gotta, you, this is how you know the Spirit of God. And now he gives the doctrinal test. You confess that if someone confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, well, hey, that's he's okay. Again, in the flesh, because the docetist tinged Gnostics, proto-Gnostics, I guess you'll call them, they were saying that Jesus was a ghost. He didn't have a flesh like a human being. Rank heresy. And so John says, you want to catch these heretics? Get them to confess that Jesus come in the flesh. If they can't do it, kick them out of your church. Every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, other manuscripts say here at verse 3, every spirit who does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not from God. That's the way I'm used to reading it. And I somehow that I feel like that's better because that's what John is talking about here. You have to confess that Jesus has come in the flesh. But there's apparently a manuscript variation there. If you read it that way, if you take that uh, manuscript variant, that Jesus is Christ in the flesh, you have to get these false teachers to confess that Jesus has come in the flesh. This would reflect that John's enemies were docetists. As John Gill says, this confession takes in his divine sonship and proper deity and also his true and real humanity that the Messiah was incarnate against the Jews and was God and man in one person, and that he was really man and not in appearance only against the heretics of those times. He's not an apparent man, a ghost. There's another scripture that's somewhat similar to this about confessing something, 1 Corinthians 12:3. Therefore I am informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I think this might be a little bit of out of context because I think what was happening here is people were scared. They were speaking in tongues. This is a chapter about speaking in tongues. And they were scared because they couldn't understand what they were speaking. They were saying, oh, maybe I'm not really praising God. Maybe I'm cursing God. And, and Paul's telling them, no, you're not doing that. You're praising God by the Holy Spirit. You're saying that Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a, a difficult verse, and people disagree on that. But even if you take it a little bit out of context, you could say, hey, you want to prove to me that you're not a false heretic? Tell me that Jesus is Lord. Tell me that he came in the flesh. Tell me that he was born of the Virgin Mary and go on and on and on like that. And pretty soon you'll, you'll smoke them out. Now this confessing that Jesus is from God in the flesh is not just intellectually. They must confess it publicly as the NIV Study Bible says. That's what confess means. It means public. You know, these people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I just don't feel like telling people. I had a roommate that told me that one time. Ended up dying of AIDS because of his homosexual lifestyle. But I don't believe, I believe in Jesus, but I just don't believe in confessing it publicly. I hope he was saved. I think he was, but he ended up in great sin and his life's gone. He's my age and he's been gone for decades. So 
when you confess Jesus, confess him publicly. Otherwise, you not you're not really sure that you're a follower of the Lord. You got to confess him publicly. Every spirit. Oh, that's why in baptism, when I baptize, people always say, "I want you to confess that Jesus is Lord." Right here in front of all your witnesses here, your friends and church members or whoever's there at the baptism, confess it publicly. Keep on doing it. All right, anybody that does not confess that Jesus came in the flesh, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. So you see there's an Antichrist spirit as well as the Antichrist because this is anyone who does this who um, cannot confess that Jesus is God. So the spirit of Antichrist is everywhere and was already back then as well as a particular individual Antichrist whom I believe to be Nero. First John 4, verses 4 through 5. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. All right, who's the them and the they? It's the false prophets that John is talking about. You are from God. That's an abbreviated way of saying you are born of God, as the NIV study Bible says. So you are born of God, little children, and you have conquered them. The heretics, the false prophets, you beat them. There's always a battle with heretics. They're never content to go away and leave Christians alone, as I said earlier. They're like parasites. They come after Christians. There's a note of victory here. Christians are always supposed to win over the heretics. You have conquered them. Why? Because the one who is in you, that's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world, and the one who is in the world is the devil, the prince of this world. Who's the boss? Who's bigger? Jesus or the devil? We need to constantly remind ourselves of that. I notice there's two uses of the word world here, so we need to break that out. At the end of verse 4, John says that the Jesus, the one who is in you, Jesus is in you, is greater than the one who is in the world. That means the physical world, or I should say the inhabited earth, the one who is in this planet. He's everywhere. But then in verse 5, he switches to the ethical use of the word. They are from the world. That means that system, the community of those not born of God, as the NIV study Bible puts it. As when we say the world, the flesh, and the devil, or so-and-so is worldly. It's not talking about so-and-so lives on the planet. It means so-and-so has a mindset that is opposed to God and that is captured by the flesh. So these false prophets are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. Do you ever wonder why people reject the gospel of Christ? That drives me crazy. How can people be so stupid? This is the most wonderful stuff in the world here. I'm giving you, I'm telling you about eternal life. I'm telling you about peace with yourself and with the other men and with God. No, you got something better to do. They're from the world. And the world will listen to every fake prophet, every Scientologist, every secular progressive, every woke fool that's out there. They won't listen to Jesus. And the world's going to pay a bitter price. We go to verse 6. We are from God. Now, that we, there's the apostles. I don't think he's talking about we Christians. We, John, plus my readers. I think he's talking about we apostles. He's contrasting the true teachers from the false teachers. We apostles are from God. Notice that John is not shy about his authority. We're from God, period, full stop, end of story. We're from God. These other people are of the world. And who is in the world but the devil is in the world. And these false prophets are operating from the impetus of the devil. Anyone who knows God listens to us, listens to the apostles. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us, listens to the apostles. Remember the words of the apostles are the words of Jesus. And liberals love to separate out the two. You cannot say, well, I, don't, I believe in what Jesus did because he's the son of God, but I don't leave, believe what Paul said because he's just a, a sinful human being. That is liberalism. That is stupidity. Please reject that if you want to be happy. You might as well throw out two-thirds of the Bible of the New Testament. If you start talking like that, 
From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. How do you know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception? If people listen to the apostles. If they listen to the apostles, that way we know that, hey, that person is listening to the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of truth. Homo Christian Study Bible capitalizes spirit. We know the Holy Spirit of truth. And on the other hand, if nobody listens to the apostles, that by that we know the spirit of deception. So you got a false prophet, a heretic, if he agrees with the words of Jesus' apostle, i.e. the scripture, he ain't a heretic. But if he disagrees with the words of the scripture, he's a heretic. He's a false prophet. If you want to avoid being deceived, you ought to listen to the words of Jesus' apostles. If you don't, then you're, you're deceived. The spirit of deception those who do not listen to the ones sent from God. We are from God. Now, you know, I said that the, the from God is another way of saying born of God, as the NIV study Bible says, but, you know, it could be we are sent from God because we are apostles. That's what apostles means. We are sent from God. Listen to the apostles. Listen to John. That way you don't have to worry about heretics. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now finished with the book, with the chapter 4 of 1 John. In our next audio, we'll, we will start in verse 7 and go through the end of the chapter, 7 through 21. And this, of course, is a favorite piece of scripture, which we will entitle, God is Love. I hope you stay tuned for that, and I hope you enjoyed this audio.